Romans 8, verse 23 through 25, these are God's words. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen. This ends this reading of God's inspired and an errant word. You know, the church I grew up in did not have a uh, a monopoly on theologically underinformed songs for children. It felt like it did at times, but once I got to know my wife, I eventually learned one of the songs that she grew up singing in church. And the only thing I can remember is Sunshine Lollipops, and then there's something after that. And maybe some of you have sung it in church. But the point of the song was that once you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that everything will be, as it were, sunshine and lollipops, and apparently no tooth decay. That you would come to the Lord Jesus, and suddenly your eyes would be opened, and you would see everything in the creation, and you would say, this is just as it should be. And when you looked in the mirror and you saw that person in the mirror, that you would suddenly be satisfied with him or her, if you're a girl, and be able to say, that person is just as he should be. Of course, the opposite is actually true. Uh, As we heard last week, and God subjecting the creation to futility until all of his children are gathered in and conformed, not just soul, but even body, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, that the whole creation groans continually, that it is not as it should be. And this is a comfort to Christians, because didn't we hear at the end of chapter 7, the second half of chapter 7, how having that delight in the law of God in our inner being and really beginning to know what good looks like. We could not look in the mirror apart from seeing union with Christ, of course, praise God. But we could never look in the mirror again in this life and say, uh, I'm good enough, wise enough, and if there's a God, he sure would like me. Uh, Which is how the unbeliever thinks sometimes in his arrogance. Thankfully, God and the common operations of the Spirit will cause them to be disturbed without him. And so a Christian, in part, now is someone who agrees with the creation. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves. Now, we did sing some scripture songs. Well, half scripture, I guess, on this one. 
And perhaps some of you have sung, the fruit of the Spirit's not banana or watermelon, kiwi, dragon fruit, whatever it is. But the fruit is love, joy, and praise God for that. And how many of us uh, probably need to be reminded as much that joy is one of the fruit, or one of the aspects of the fruit, more than any other one. And speaking of what God has done in us by union with Christ and the Holy Spirit, it's true, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It's interesting that non-covenantal people would teach that to you know, 500 children who were uh, whining for another glass of punch 13 minutes ago, but uh, I think it's good to teach the children of believers that uh, they belong to the Lord and the benefits of that. But here we have something that sounds opposite until we really get into the text. And that is, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. I've got the groaning, 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 groaning down in my heart. And praise God, that's where the comparison ends. Because the joy, if you're a believer, is in your heart to stay. And the groaning is in your heart as long as this world stays. But this world is going to be set free to participate in the glorious freedom of the children of God. And so one of the things that we find as a fruit of the work of the Spirit in a believer is not only joy, but also one of the fruits that the Spirit's work bears in us in this life, in this world, is groaning. You see, we live in a creation that groans and labors with these birth pangs, the whole creation together until now. Excuse me. And one of the things that God the Holy Spirit does for us as he conforms our mind to Christ is he causes us to agree with what is true. We were discussing with a brother or hearing from a brother um, not too many minutes ago in this room. We live in a world that is largely in rebellion against truth. But when God brings us by his spirit to faith in Jesus Christ, we agree with the groaning creation. We ourselves groan. We don't just observe that the creation is groaning. That every particle of this material world that exists is groaning, agonizing, longing, saying this is not as it should be. But we agree with that. And the Spirit agrees with that. As Lord willing, we'll hear next week, the Lord's bearing us. In fact, those of you who have just been memorizing thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and what we learn in the third and... No, second and third petitions of the Lord's Prayer uh, have been learning that as you learn to pray like Jesus, as his spirit who has his mind uh, teaches you to pray, you learn to groan. And you learn to groan even within yourself, even 
with your heart. It becomes uh, one of the primary axioms of your life that you now belong to another world and you long for that world and you belong to a king who is worthy of things that have not yet been seen. God is worthy to have his name hallowed by a world, an entire creation, full of those who only hallow and never have light thoughts of him. God, Christ, is worthy of being acknowledged as king and having every knee bowing and every tongue confessing, having all things in subjection to him, all his enemies put under his feet. And yet, as Hebrews says, we don't yet see all things subjected. We know that he reigns, but not all things have been brought to heal. And so, if you're a believer, one of the things that you will find is that there is this visceral, what that means, kids, is with your guts. It comes from a Latin word for your innards. Uh, usually the intestines and kidney and heart uh, or so. But there is this visceral within yourself desire for the coming of things as they ought to be. Sometimes it takes theological form in those who use phrases like make all things new. uh, And they mean acting like new creature, new creation people in this world, and that that's going to... But the groaning that is of the Spirit in the passage after, and the groaning that is of the creation in what we have just heard that is matched by the groaning that the Spirit produces within a believer is not going to be satisfied. He has made us new. We're not going to be able to make all things new. And so there is this groaning within ourselves that is in believers. Well, what is this groaning like? Well, praise God, it is an eager groaning, an eager waiting. Now, this uh, this verb in verse 22, sorry, verse 23, uh, even ourselves, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. It's something that we saw already in verse 19. For the creation eagerly waits. And it's something that we second time in our passage this evening in verse 25. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait. This is not the groaning of someone who is under such a burden as he is unable to tolerate uh, and uh, makes it feel as if he cannot go on. It is the groaning of someone who knows what is coming and he would like nothing more than to be there. Uh, He is eagerly waiting. Uh, And so that's the nature of the groaning. It's a positive groaning. It's a groaning forward, uh, not so much a, uh, a groaning backward of what has happened or even a groaning in the present of what is happening, 
It's a groaning because the future is so good and it is not yet happening. And so there, there is pain, there's agony, there's grief, but it's forward-looking. It lays hold of something that is not yet and says the pain or the, the groaning is because of the not-yetness of that, because of it being not yet. And so it's this eager waiting sort of groaning. Now some of us, uh, we have anxieties, griefs, depressions over the way things are or the way things have been. And there's a lot in this world that is opposed to God, that is opposed to all that is good, that is opposed to all that is beautiful. And so it is helpful for us when we are struggling with or having difficulty with uh, the way things are to discern, differentiate, distinguish, there's the word, to distinguish in our hearts that groaning that is overwhelmed with the present versus that groaning that is overwhelmed with or grabbed by, enraptured with, how glorious is the future. And to take that knowledge of how good what God has determined is, and by the that which comes from the Spirit, that which is laying hold of the goodness of the future, which then becomes something that you know God is using the present to get us to. And then you have a a holy grief and a holy groaning and a holy longing. It's not denying or ignoring the greatness of the evil, the greatness of the griefs that are in the present, but is putting away uh, the uh, defeat and dejectedness and hopelessness of a groaning that is overwhelmed by the present and the past. A believer's experience being overwhelmed. Praise God, we have three weeks in a psalm that helps us sing and pray through that. So what sort of groaning the Spirit produces? A groaning of eager waiting. And a groaning that has as its content then the thing that we are waiting for, do you see in verse 23, the adoption that is the redemption of our body. We are groaning for the completion of the answer in time to the question in chapter 7, verse 24. You remember, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Or, uh, more literally translated, from the body of this death. And you remember we said at that time that as long as we are in these bodies, we will be dealing with sin. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, one day we will be delivered from this body and we will be made perfect in holiness. And yet, the final and full answer to our deliverance is not going to be bodilessness, but having been perfected in our souls 
we are then going to be given in the resurrection glorified bodies that will be able to accomplish what our glorified souls desire to do in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ, in worship of him, in service to him, in a new creation. And it is then, when we have been made by the Spirit to match Jesus Christ in our souls, and we have been made by the Spirit to match Jesus Christ in our bodies, that the adoption will be complete. You know, the Lord gave me this week to witness uh, the formalizing or the, I forget what they were calling it, the ad- adoption being made official uh, by a judge. And, and uh, it was a joy. And uh, there were kids uh, in the family, and uh, they were all wearing school uniforms, so they all looked you know, really super identical on that day. Well, one of the things you're going to hear a couple of passages from now is that in the last day, the Lord Jesus will be the firstborn among many brethren. And if we can uh, imagine reverently what one might say of us on the last day is, isn't it marvelous? They look exactly like him. And we will be conformed to him, soul and body. And so on that day, not only will we have been delivered from the body of this death, we will have the body of that life. And this is something that we should be looking forward to, groaning forward to. As the saints in glory still long uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ to return and judge and vindicate. And so we also long to be made like him for that final piece of our adoption to be put in place. The redemption of our body. So groaning is a fruit of the Spirit's work in our life. But it's also a symptom of having been saved. For we were saved in this hope, in this enjoyment already of a reality that is not yet, of a certainty of something in the future that is so sure that even before we enjoy the thing itself, we can enjoy the certainty of the thing. And this is what we have if we have Jesus Christ, if we have been saved by grace through faith in him. We do have full forgiveness, perfect righteousness before God, adoption, the indwelling of the Spirit, the right to call God our our Father and have his Spirit agreeing that we are, confirming, ratifying that we are his children. And yet there are parts of our salvation that are still future. Sinlessness is still future. A glorified body is still future. We can't enjoy sinlessness yet, but we can enjoy the certainty that we shall be. And we cannot enjoy a glorified body yet, but we can enjoy the certainty that we shall have one. 
And we cannot enjoy a new creation yet that has been set free to participate in the glorious freedom of the children of God. But we can enjoy the certainty that we will. And it's the enjoyment of all of those certainties that enables us to groan forward. It is a symptom of salvation that we do this eager waiting. And one of the things that in a few chapters time, when the apostle is calling upon them to stop uh, living in a way that belongs to the flesh, that belongs to the darkness, that belongs to the night, that belongs to their former life outside of Christ, is he points out to them the thing that they are eagerly waiting, the thing of which, the certainty of which that they are enjoying as their Christian hope. And so chapter 13 is going to say, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. When we first believed, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So here we hear, in chapter 8, verse 24, we were saved in this hope. But then, in chapter 13, verse 11, he's going to say, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, he's saying, you are saved already through faith in Jesus Christ from your sin. But you are saved for sinlessness. You are saved for Christ-likeness. You are saved for the light and the day in which you will walk as lightlings, children of light. And so there's this focus in our salvation that the Spirit teaches our heart that is focused much more about what we are saved unto than what we are saved from. It's a similar point uh, of growth and change of mindset uh, to that which many of us have had at some point in thinking about the Lord's Day and keeping Sabbath. And we begin, because we're very fleshly, focused on all those things that we don't get to do that our flesh would have preferred. Uh, And we're focused on what the day is sanctified from. But that's not the right focus, is it? The right focus is what the day is sanctified for. The worship and knowledge of God, delighting in Him, having an entire day of delight to train and form and satisfy delight in Him. Well, similarly with your salvation, we can begin because it has, it was so near to us at first with a great focus on what we have been saved from. And praise God, we've been saved from the guilt of sin. We've been saved from slavery to sin. We've been saved from wrath and death and hell. But the focus in salvation, what we're saved into is a hope 
that focuses more on what we are saved for, what we are saved unto. And so the apostle comes and says, in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Remember, we're not enjoying the reality or the arrival yet of all the things for which we are, for which we have been saved or unto which we have been saved. We, we enjoy the certainty of those things. That's the Christian hope. I was almost said reality, but they are real, even though they're future. They're not less real. The Christian doesn't tell time like the historian who tells you what's real because it's in the past. No, we could tell you what's real because God said it's in the future. And so we are saved into this eager waiting, verse 25. If we hope for what we do not see, if we enjoy already the certainty, the reality of what we are saved unto, the adoption, the redemption of our bodies, total conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ, that not only his life would be in us, but his joy would be in us. So if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now this is a different kind of eager waiting than the eager waiting of our flesh. I don't know what it is that uh, you all tend to anticipate. I hope it's you know, the Lord's Day and family worship and those things, but we all have other things that we uh, look forward to and not necessarily inappropriately. But if it's something that is a long way off, sometimes the eagerness of the waiting can start to wear on us and it becomes disappointing that it hasn't come yet. That is not the way that the spirit-given eager waiting for the resurrection works. Rather, eagerness over time does not wane, according to verse 25. It becomes perseverance. Eager waiting becomes persevering waiting. And so may the Lord grant to us that our groaning would not be fleshly groaning, but spirit groaning, that it would be eager waiting for the final fullness of a salvation that although it is not yet here, it is still or it is already certain. And then we will know how those two things can sit together in the same heart. I've got the groaning, 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 groaning down in my heart precisely because it will not stay. The Lord Jesus said, that one of the many things that he would do in making us like himself was that he spoke so that our joy, his joy would be in us. And the Apostle John and others, but John in particular, wrote that our joy would be full. May God, the Holy Spirit, grant to you, my dear congregation, that you would have such a certainty of what you were saved unto, that yes, you would groan as long as this world is not what it should be and you are not what it should be, that you would be able to say that with spirit-given conviction, but that you would be able to say at the last, but it will be with the same spirit-given conviction and joy. Amen.